This is episode number 80 with serial entrepreneur and author of The Dropout Multi-Millionaire, Brian Will. Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Before we drop into the episode, a quick message from our sponsor, 919 Marketing. I've worked with 919 Marketing for years, and there's no one I trust more with my marketing needs in any of our businesses. I've worked with them in our franchise businesses, in my consulting business. I've worked with them on the franchisor side, and I love working with 919 because they take the time to listen. They take the time to understand what it is I'm looking to accomplish through my marketing, who I'm trying to reach, and then they help me put a plan together to do just that. I've worked with tons of marketing companies over the years, and too often, it's a one-size-fits-all approach, but not with 919 Marketing. In addition to that, they've developed some amazing technology called 919 Insights, franchising's first and only AI-powered analytics platform. With 919 Insights in place, 919 Marketing can identify the exact topics that matter to your franchise candidates and provide the specific roadmap to help your brand become the highest ranking and most trusted resource when they're searching for answers. So if you're ready to start getting better results from your marketing, and if you want a free demo of 919 Insights, reach out to Graham Chapman at 919-459-8157 or send them an email at gchapman at 919marketing.com to schedule your free demo today. So whether you're a franchisor, a franchisee, or just getting started in your first franchise business, make sure to check out 919 Marketing and tell them West Barefoot sent you. Now, let's drop into the episode. Hey, Pat the Freedom listeners, thanks for dropping in for another episode. My guest today is Brian Will. Brian's a serial entrepreneur. He's the author of several books. His newest book is The Dropout Multimillionaire, and he's got a fascinating story. Brian's had tons of success in business. He's built and sold multiple businesses for very nice exit, but he's also had some failures along the way, which he openly talks about and shares in this conversation as well as in his latest book. And I've really enjoyed talking with Brian because he keeps it real. He hits you in the face with the realities of business ownership, you know, why you should consider not going into business ownership. And he shares a lot of the lessons that he's learned along the way. I cannot recommend the dropout multimillionaire book highly enough. And I feel very privileged to have connected with Brian and to have had the chance to talk with him here on the podcast. So this episode is packed full of good information. Brian's a great guy. You can tell that he genuinely cares about helping others succeed in business. And I've really enjoyed having him and excited to share 
this episode with you all now. So with that, let's drop in with Brian Will. All right. I'm here with Brian Will today. Brian, thanks so much for dropping in to the Path to Freedom podcast. How are you today? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this. We had a chance to to connect and have a little chat a, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, since then, I've read your book, which I know we're going to talk about today. And it's a fantastic read. And and you share a lot of examples from your personal story, you know, how you got to where you are today. And, and really, you share a lot of lessons that you've learned along the way, building multiple businesses across multiple industries. So fascinating stuff. Very excited to have you here on the, the podcast to, to share more with the listeners. But, you know, on that note, for anyone that's not familiar with us, give us kind of a quick overview, you know, who you are, what you do, and, and would love to hear a little more of the, the coming up story and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so my background is probably going to be a little different than a lot of guys who have, who have, you know, built and sold companies. I came from a very rough background, uh, abused child, failed out of high school, got kicked out my junior year, got, got back in, graduated at the bottom of my class, didn't have an option to go to college, got kicked out of the house and joined the military. I'm one of those guys with a giant chip on his shoulder who didn't like to be told what to do, so I joined the military. Mm -hmm. Very smart thing. Right, yeah. Don't like to be told what to do. I'm going to go into the military. Go to the military, yeah. I'll be my own guy, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, started. Uh, I did four years in the Air Force, four years in the Army, um, Started my first business in my early 20s, same time I got married, was a landscaping company. Mm -hmm. And really, I, I, I started that company not because I had some great desire to be self-employed. I started that company because I couldn't hold a job. I got fired as a construction guy. I got fired as a waiter. I got fired as a manager at a little Caesar's Pizza. I got The only job I was able to hold was a busboy at Applebee's, literally. I, I just kept getting fired. And eventually, I thought to myself, you know, I'm not really a very good employee. Maybe I should go try to be a business owner instead. Yeah. So I started this landscaping company. Uh, did that for about 10 years. I franchised it. We had seven franchises at one point, And then I lost it. Lost everything. Houses, cars, newborn baby, and basically bankrupt. Started all over again. Went into the insurance business. My buddy talked me into selling insurance. I did that with him for about two months and then thought, I could do this on my own. I don't need him anymore. So I started my first insurance agency. This was back in 99 when the dot-com boom was going. Yep. And through a series of, of progressions and decisions and things that I'd done, we kind of technically started the first call center in the country for insurance. And wow. within about 18 months of starting my insurance agency, I got bought out by a venture capital firm. That's when I got my first exposure into venture capital and private equity. So they bought me out. I tried to start another, I tried to start a pizza place after that and it failed miserably. So I decided to go back into the insurance business. I did that again. And then I met a guy, uh, Steve, who was my big mentor in life. And we launched another company, which is internet marketing. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was the point in my journey where I stopped listening to myself and started listening to other people because mm. at some point I had to realize that I wasn't the smartest guy in the world. Uh, this is an ego issue we talk a lot about with, with young entrepreneurs thinking they know everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, two years later, we sold the internet company uh, to a private equity firm. Then we sold the insurance company to another venture capital firm. And suddenly I'd had three exits and people in the market thought I was really smart. <laughs> I, was, I was the guy cutting their grass two years ago, and now they think I'm a genius consultant, 
right? Wow. That's, that's the way the world works. So I started consulting for Fortune 500 companies in the insurance industry and sales and management, direct to consumer marketing, which was crazy um, for a guy like me who got kicked out of high school to be sitting in a boardroom, you know, talking to these CEOs about how to fix their companies. But hell of an experience. I've learned a lot about venture capital, tried to quit working, couldn't do it. My brain doesn't work that way. Yeah. So bought a restaurant, literally sitting at a bar one day and with a bunch of people. And one of them said, why don't you buy this place? And I said, let's do it. So I bought it. That got me into the restaurant business about 12 years ago. Today, we've got about, we've got six locations and three more coming up. It's about a $10 million company today. Wow. Um, wrote a couple of books on business, got into local politics in my hometown. And uh, here I am on your podcast, man. It's the pinnacle of my career. Well, it's, it, it is a... <laughs> It's a fascinating story, and, and I appreciate you sharing it. And, and your most recent book, which is called The Dropout Multimillionaire, um, as I said, I, I just finished reading it. So you share a lot of this story, and it is, it is a very interesting story. And, and I was telling you before we started recording, I mean, what I like about you know, your book and, and the conversations I've had a chance to, to have with you is you don't pull any punches. You, know, you, you share your story. You're very open about you know mistakes that you made along the way lessons that you learned and and you're very willing to share all of that with other people in the hopes of helping them avoid making some of the the same mistakes and and the whole premise of of the book that you've written is 37 lessons um for for entrepreneurs and and I like uh the the actual subtitle right the subtitle is 37 business lessons on how to succeed in business with no money, no education, and no clue. And, and I think that resonates with a lot of people because as you know, I work with a lot of people that you know, have a, a, a goal of becoming a business owner, but they've never done it before. And, and a lot of them you know, don't have a lot of education or at least in terms of being an entrepreneur, a lot of them don't have you know, a ton of money or capital to do it. Um, and, and so you know, really they have no clue. And, and so I think it's, it's tapping into a pretty wide audience because uh, there are a lot of people out there that want to get into business for themselves, but they have no idea where to get started. They don't have the capital to, to go out and do it on their own. So um, really, really like the, the topics that you talk about in the book. And, and I think it's really, really solid real world advice. You know, none of it's theoretical. It's just you sharing what you've learned through through your experience. Um, and the other thing that, that sticks out to me about your story is the fact that, you know, you've had successes and failures, but you've done it across a pretty wide variety of industries. Um, you know, you didn't kind of just get into one industry and find success and, and stay there. So, I mean, I'm, I'm curious, as I was reading the book, I, I kind of wondered, you know, what do you think it is that drove you to say, hey, I, you know, we built this, uh, you know, insurance company, had a nice exit, now I want to go get into the restaurant business. Why, why, why were you so eager to, to jump into something that was not as familiar to you when you'd had success in a, in a different industry? You know, the story of my life uh, is that I've never done anything that I had any idea what I was doing when I started. It, 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 and it's kind of been my, my, my mantra in business. No clue what you're doing. Go ahead and do it anyway, right? Um, I think that, and if you get back to the point of the book, right, so one of the statistics I've read out there is that about 500,000 businesses start every month in America, right? That's about 6 million people a year going, Hey, I want to be in business for myself. Mm -hmm. The reality is though, half of those will be gone in a year. 
another 30% will be gone within three years. So 80% of those people that have all these dreams and goals and desires and things that they wanted to do, they don't make it. Not only don't they make it, but a lot of them end up losing their life savings. Yeah. And in all the consulting I've done from small businesses up all the way up to Fortune 500 companies is a lot of the reasons are all the same. There are very specific reasons why people fail. And when I do consulting today, I can go sit with somebody for 10 minutes and tell you what's going wrong with them. Yeah. Most of the time it's ego. Uh, and that ego stops them from, you know, you've ever heard this phrase that you have to, to succeed, you have to fail, mm -hmm. right? It's kind sure. of a back of the hand cliche. Yeah. But the problem with that is it leaves out, it leaves out the most important part. Failure is not what leads to success. Failure leads to learning. Learning leads to success. Yes. The problem with most small business people is they don't do the learning part. Yeah. And you have all these people running around out there writing books and on TV going, Oh yeah, fail, fail, fail. The more you fail, you're, the faster you get to success. No, that's crap. The more you learn about your failure, the faster you get to success. And that's where people, you know, tend to fall off the boat and, and they just don't get it. Yeah, you know? that's such a good point. Uh, it it really is. I mean, if if you continue to fail, especially if it's because you're just making the same mistakes over and over again, or because of your ego, right? I, I completely agree that ego is probably the biggest thing that holds someone down from being successful, not willing to learn from others that have already accomplished what they're trying to accomplish. Cause, cause that's how you can avoid some of these failures in the first place, right? You can learn without failing. Anytime you fail, you should learn, but you can also learn without having to go through the failure yourself. If you're willing to learn. Right. right. And I, I give advice to people all the time in business and they take half of my advice because the other half doesn't really apply to them. Right. Or that's not the way it's done. Or they would like to try something different. So you take half my advice and it doesn't work. And then you're like, well, your advice was no good. No, that's they, not, that's not, you didn't listen. Yeah. They take, they take the, the piece of the advice that they like or that they're comfortable with and anything that, that they might not be comfortable trying, they're going to say that doesn't apply to me. I'll tell you this story. And, and I have a tattoo on my back, right? And it says I'm in. Just I'm in two words, right? Yeah. So here I am. Um, I've started this third company and we have an insurance company and we have this marketing, internet marketing company. And we had sunk about a half a million dollars into this company and we hadn't made any money. We'd been in business about nine months. We're, we're losing our rear ends on this deal. But my partner on the internet side, and he's my mentor in life, Steve, he rolls in my office one day and he says, listen, we need to invest another $60,000 in this company. And I'll put the money in, but it goes against the debt that you basically still owe. I said, Steve, I literally had a conversation with my wife this morning. I want out of this deal. I've, we've lost a half a million. This thing's not going to work. I don't, what are you, what are we doing here? And by the way, Steve had already made millions and millions and millions of dollars. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm plugging away 80 hours a week, making a hundred grand at this point. Yeah. And, and Steve looks at me and he goes, Brian, you need to you need to trust me. And we we're going, this is going to work. We know what we're doing. We've done this before. And I'm like, Steve, we haven't made any money, man. We got to shut this thing down. And he looked at me and, and he's sitting there in his t-shirt and dirty socks and tennis shoes with a hole in the toe. <laughs> you know, he's one of those Walmart kind of guys. Just, you would look at him and go, this guy ain't got nothing. Walmart millionaire, right? Yeah. So he's looks at me, he says, listen, I'm gonna make you a deal. I'm going to give you all your equity back. I'm going to erase all your debt. And we walk away as friends. But you have to make a decision right now. Or you stay in with me. What's your decision? 
And I'm sitting there looking at him and I'm thinking of all the money I owed, thinking of a conversation I had with my wife. And I thought to myself, as I'm looking at him, I'm looking at a guy worth, I don't know, 20 million. And you're looking at me worth 20 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I finally said, you know what? I'm going to stop listening to me because I clearly don't know what I'm doing. And I said, you know what, Steve, I'm in. And he goes, all right, I don't ever want to hear this conversation again. Yeah. And 18 months later, we sold the company for $60 million. God. I'm in. I'm in. So I always, I tattooed it on me, right? Sometimes yeah. you need to stop listening to yourself and start listening to other people because they know more than you do. You, you share that story in the book and that's actually in my notes. I was going to ask you to, to tell that story because I mean, that's, that's powerful, right? You had a split second decision. Yes or no. I'm in or I'm out. And, you know, you, you were willing to swallow your ego and say, look, this guy's done this before. You know, he's more experienced than I am. I'm going to bet bet on him. Um, and, and I think in the book, you, the, the story goes too that the day before that conversation, your accountant for the company had come in and said, yeah. this thing's a dead loser. You guys need to wind it down. There's no shot. So, you know, in addition to you already kind of feeling that way, but then your numbers guy come in <laughs> and saying, you know, hey, yeah. the numbers are showing that this thing has, has no shot of being successful. So, you know, credit to you for, for being willing to say I'm in, right, and, and to swallow your ego. Um, how much time do you spend thinking about what, what would have happened if you would have gone in the other direction? Listen to me, every time I sit on a plane in first class, every time I sit on my balcony at my beach condo, I'm about to head up to Antarctica tomorrow. I'm gonna be sitting over in Antarctica on a private ship every single time I think about it because I would not have what I have in life had it not been for that one decision and that one man who, who mentored me. So I, in my house, there, there's in my, I have a bar in my house and there's this big glass thing over the bar and it says T.S., and, and that says to Steve, because everywhere we go, we toast Steve, right? Because I would too. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, and it's 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 something I think about, right? Because, you know, we've already talked a little bit about, you know, obviously there's risk involved in going into business and so many businesses don't work out, right? And people do, mm -hmm. you know, in some cases lose their life savings and and, you know, the failure that can result from starting a business can be can be devastating. Right. But at the same time, you know, your story illustrates that if you are willing to take risk uh, and bet on yourself and bet on the people that you're you're partnered with, uh, it can pay off in a huge way. And, you know, so that's something I think a lot about. Right. Because one of the things I've learned over the last six or seven years since we've got into owning businesses and stuff is I'm less scared of failure and I'm way more scared of regret. I'm, I'm I'm terrified now of having regret later in life, looking back and saying, I wonder what would have happened if I would have tried. I wonder what right. would have happened if I would have bet on myself. Right. And, you know, let's say that you told Steve you're in and then things went the other direction. The company didn't work out. You would have lost some money, but it wouldn't have had as much of a negative impact on your life as the way it did play out. Exiting for 60 million has had a positive impact on your life. Yeah. And, and we lost our accountant. He bailed out because he didn't think it was going to make it. That cost him millions of dollars because he had a small equity stake. I mean, I wonder if it, he has a tattoo that says I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
no, it's it's good stuff. And and like I said, that's a story in the book. And and I just I love I love how the book is structured because you're just you're you're talking real life, right? And and you know, part of the other lessons that that you cover in the book are related to things that a business owner should look out for. I've read a ton of business books. That type of information is not in most business books. They want to talk about, you know, everything that's great about being a business owner. You share some real examples of you know, mistakes that you made, lessons that you learned, and and try to help people avoid those. I, I mean, in, in your in, in your experience, what are what are two or three of the key reasons that someone is not going to be successful when when they start a business? Oh gosh, there are this gets into what I call the very specific reasons why people fail, right? Um, number one, if you're going to go into business, you better have and you talk about this, you better have a very strong, clear, specific why you're doing this. Because when times get tough, and they will, and if you think they won't, you're just, you're crazy, they will. When times get tough, you better have that why to lean back on. This is why I'm doing it, right? So that's number one. Number two, one of the bigger problems I find with small business owners is they don't know who they are, and they don't know who they're not, right? Mm. And so that's a general statement, but let me nail that down. So when we talk about businesses, we talk about businesses needing different types of personalities. There are mm-hmm. different people that start businesses. There's what I call Joe the plumber, right? He was a plumber for a plumbing company. He works for 10 years. And one day Joe says, well, I'm the plumber. I'm making all the money. I want to go start my own business. So Joe starts a plumbing business. The problem is Joe's not really a business owner and he's not an entrepreneur. Joe's a plumber or what I call a technician. And so Joe doesn't really understand how to set up all the legal documents and what kind of insurance to buy and all of the pitfalls and how to set up payroll and withholding and sales tax and all this stuff. And those are very, very important things called getting your house in order. Joe doesn't really get that. He thinks he can just be a plumber. Yeah. There are people that are salespeople that think, well, I do all the sales for a company. I'm going to go start my own business and sell, but they don't understand all the management and the background and managing the deals and the contracts and the paperwork and the legal and the operations and you know, they, they don't understand. They think you can just go sell and you can't yeah. just go sell. Yeah. Right. There are people who are entrepreneurs that are true entrepreneurs who start businesses and think it's all about it's all about the the, the 30,000 foot level and and the ideas and, and, and all those things. And those are important. But you need somebody who can actually go sell and you need somebody who can actually do the work and you need to see have somebody who can actually manage your business. Yeah, because if you don't you're just going to create a giant mess. I can't tell you how many business I walk in and there's just crap piled everywhere, like yeah. stacks of papers. And well, did you pay your taxes last year? Well, I haven't gotten around to that yet. Well, yeah. did you do your insurance? Well, actually I let that lapse. I'm sorry. Well, did you do your withholding? Well, I haven't actually paid myself. It's like, Oh my God, you're an entrepreneur. You better get a manager in here to clean your mess up or you're not going to be in business. Yeah. They've so, got a thousand ideas of what they want to do next with the business entrepreneurs. As I say in the book are the most important and the least important person in any business because you need an entrepreneur for ideas and, and, and carry this thing forward and come in, but somebody better be in the background cleaning up the mess. The entrepreneurs make entrepreneurs tend to make messes. I'm an entrepreneur. I make messes. I know that it's my limitation. I have people that that take care of everything for me down to my schedule. Right. So you're important as an entrepreneur, but you're not the most important person. You need people to clean everything up. So when I say you need to know who you are, identify who you are in the business, and then you need to backfill 
with the talents and the, and, and the management and or the sales or whatever it is you lack, mm-hmm. you need to backfill. Because if you don't, you're just going to create a big mess and your business will probably not make it. Yeah. So why are you doing this? Who are you in business? Um, and, and the last one I think is, is super important is, we talked about this a second ago, is getting your ego out of the way. Yeah. Finding people who have been successful that are four or five steps above you that are where you want to be and take advice from them. Get a mentor, get a board of directors, you know, get some people in there that can help you make decisions based on their experience, which you probably don't have at this point if you're just starting out. So those are my big three just to get you going. Yeah, no, I love that. I think I think the know who you are, know who you're not is is so key. You know, I've I've seen it in in the businesses that we've started. Thank God for my wife, right? She's she's an operator, right? She Mm -hmm. can dial in the processes. She can make sure all the T's are crossed, all the I's I's are dotted. She she can make things run the way they need to. I, I'm probably more of the entrepreneur. I can come up with the idea. I can see the long-term yep. vision and I, I can know like the key milestones to get there, but yep. connecting the dots between those key milestones, not, not going to happen if it's, if it's left up to me. Uh, and I've, and I've tried, right? Like I've tried mm-hmm. to be the guy doing that and it's not, not my skill set. It's not how my mind is wired and it'll take me, you know, 10 times longer to put some of those things in place than it would someone like my wife. And when yeah. she does it, the results 10 times better. So I, I tend to say that entrepreneurs think at 30,000 feet, they think into the future. They think in bullet points. If they get dragged down in details, their eyes glaze over, they yeah. can't focus on it because they're, they're thinking about, well, what's the next big thing. So you've got to have people like your wife who can be behind you. As I say, cleaning up your mess. Yeah dotting the I's and crossing the T's and make sure everything's legit and everything's working and the bills get paid. So you can be out there at 30,000 feet running around, you know, with your hair on fire. Yeah. She, she would definitely agree mm-hmm. with the the terminology of she's cleaning up my mess. Um, <laughs> a lot. Yeah. She, she would, uh, she would give you a big thumbs up on that one. Wes here. You may have noticed there's a franchising theme to this podcast and that's because franchising's had a massive impact on my life And it's the very reason I'm walking my own path to freedom. In fact, one of my companies is a franchise consulting company where I work with people to help them understand franchising and determine if it might be a good fit for them. And if it is something they want to explore, then I help them navigate the entire investigative process and ultimately find a franchise business that's a great match for them. You know, the fact of the matter is there are thousands and thousands of franchise businesses out there today. And like anything, there are good ones and there are bad ones. Even out of the many, many great franchise companies, not every one of them would necessarily be a good fit for you. You know, buying a franchise is a huge decision and you don't want to wing it. I've helped many people buy franchise businesses over the years and my wife and I have bought and own franchises today and we plan to keep investing in franchise businesses. I love helping people understand this process and help them find a business that's going to be a great fit for them and help them accomplish their goals and ultimately create that freedom in their life that we're all looking for. The best part of all of this is that my services are free to the people I work with. And while I do love to contribute to charities and other great causes, I'm not a nonprofit. I'm compensated by the franchise companies I work with when I introduce them to someone that ends up becoming one of their franchisees. 
It's very similar to real estate, but with franchises. I have the privilege of working with hundreds and hundreds of the best franchise companies out there across practically every industry. So I can be absolutely confident that when I recommend someone to look at a franchise company, I'm introducing them to a very credible and proven company with a solid business model and great support. So if you think you might be interested in learning more about franchising and seeing if it might be right for you, I'd love to speak with you. Get in touch with me by email at wes at path2freedom.com, path, the number two, frdm.com. And also check out my website at path2freedom.com, spelled the same way, where I've got a ton of resources, both franchise and non-franchise related, that will help you start down your own path to freedom. And of course, subscribe to and follow the podcast for more great advice about business ownership. And if you know anyone else that might be interested in speaking with me, please share this podcast with them. Thanks for listening to my shameless plug. Now let's drop back into the episode. Uh, one of the other things you talk about kind of when you open up the book, and, and I forget the exact terminology you use, but you actually kind of start by defining, you know, what is being an entrepreneur, right? Because in this day and age, that's that's a buzzword, right? Every Everyone wants to be able to say that they are an entrepreneur, but just because you own a business or just because you are self-employed does not necessarily mean that you're an entrepreneur. This is something I talk a lot about with the the clients that I work with in my consulting business. I think you and I talked about the E-Myth uh, yeah. in our first conversation. I, I send yeah. a copy of that book to everyone I work with, but maybe unpack that for us a little bit. Um, you know, how you define the difference between an entrepreneur and someone that's that's just a business owner or self-employed. So the first thing we'll differentiate is between self-employed and a business owner. Both of these are good things. And, and, and this really depends on what you want to do and why you're doing it, right? Yeah. Self-employed person is basically someone who's created a job for themselves. So you, you might have a business, you could, you might even be incorporated. You could literally have an office, but if that business is a hundred percent dependent on you and you're the one doing all the work, if you're a consultant or a designer or whatever, then you're really just self-employed. Yeah. And, and by that, I mean, listen, if you go into a coma, I'll get, you know, in a drastic example, what happens to your business? Stops. If you, it stops. If you disappear for six months because you went to Antarctica and you got trapped on an island, which I'm about to do, what happens to your business? It stops. If your business stops, if you're not there, then you're technically self-employed. You're not, you're not what I call, consider a real business owner. You have a yep. business, but not a business owner. A business owner is someone who's actually created infrastructure. They've created process. They've created an intrinsic value in a business that they could sell some point down the line without them having to be a part of it. Yeah. I like to say that I, I never even stepped foot in my restaurants 80% of the time, maybe 90. If I sold my restaurant chain, no one would even know I was gone because most of them don't even know who I am. Yeah. Right. That's a business. It has value. It has something that I've built that has value. It also gives me a certain amount of freedom. If I go to Antarctica, tomorrow and I get trapped on an island, my income's still going to come in. I don't know how I'm going to get it over there, but you know, it's still going to come in. Right. It'll be there so, somewhere. Yeah. Those are really the two differences between self-employed and a business owner. And then when you're talking about being a business owner, we get back to who are you in the business? You know, if you're the technician, if you're the guy that does the work, you might not be the guy that needs to manage the company. You might not mm -hmm. be the true entrepreneur. If you're the salesperson or if you're just a manager, you got to get back to who you are 
uh, and who you're not. And if you're not the entrepreneur, if you're not the 30,000 foot person, if you're not the forward thinker, then you need to bring somebody into your organization, either through a partnership or through an employee that can fill that role if you really want to rock and roll with it. So yeah. those are kind of my differences. Yeah, no, I, I love it. And I think it's very important to understand that, right? Um, my, my, the consulting work I do, self-employed, it's not a business I can ever sell. If I yeah. go into a coma or if I just decide, hey, I'm taking a break for a couple months, everything else stops, right? And, yep. and, and there's a lot of people that that could make sense for, right? And they're going to be happy with that. Not everyone has the goal of, you know, scaling this large yeah. organization and having large teams and, not everyone has the goal of, you know, having a big exit at some point. Right. Um, you know, I, I do the consulting work I do because I really enjoy it. Uh, and, and it's a way that I feel I can help other people uh, learn from things that I've been fortunate to learn over the years. And, and it's a business for me, right? I can make very good yep. income doing yep. it. But then in addition to that, you know, we have other businesses that, you know, we are in the process of really setting up as business owners. One of them's further ahead than the other. Uh, the other one's less than a year old at this point, but, you know, we're as owners removed from the day to day and trying to remove ourselves even further so that, you know, we are working on the business and not in it. And those are businesses that if we did take a two month vacation with our kids, they're going to mm -hmm. continue to generate income for us. And eventually, you know, we'll, we'll be able to sell those businesses. Well, um, the key here is what do you want, right? So yeah. I, I own businesses, but I'm also working towards selling that at one point and I'll probably go back to being self-employed. Right. I enjoy yeah. consulting just like you do. I think it's, 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 it brings me a lot of joy to help people. And I think it brings a lot of value to the people that I work with. So I, I completely understand that if you want to be self-employed then be self-employed, if yeah. you want to build a business, but you're currently self-employed, then you need to figure out how to make that transition. So really it's whatever you want. It makes you happy. And yeah. That's good. <clears throat> totally agree. I, I think I do think it's important to to know what you want coming into it if at all possible because and I'm curious if what your thoughts are on this but in my experience it's harder to kind of remove yourself from from the business or you know from being too heavily involved in the day-to-day -day if mm -hmm. you've started that way versus you know so if you start the business and two three years into it you've been the technician this whole time and then you have this realization that, hey, you know, I want to build this into something bigger. So I've got to kind of remove myself. I feel like for a lot of people, that's harder versus coming into it, knowing, hey, I want to build this thing to scale. And, and so for that reason, I can't be the guy or the gal out there doing everything myself. You're 100 percent right. The more entrenched you are in your company, the harder it's going to be to extract you. And, well, because maybe damn near impossible. There's some ego there, right? You've got this mindset of, of no one else is going to be able to come in and do it, do it better yeah. than me. Um, ego and money. Let's be honest. You're doing it because you make more money if you're doing it. Sure. I've always been willing to make less money by bringing other people in to fulfill those roles. I could do those roles if I wanted to. I don't want to, but I could. Right. Yeah. I'd rather make less money and have better lifestyle. Yeah. So I've never entrenched myself in a company to the point that I can't get myself out. So yeah. again, you're right. What do you want coming into the business? Build towards that. You're exactly right. Yeah, we've we've seen it, right? I'll pick on my wife for just a minute. She she never listens to this anyway. She says she has <laughs> to hear me talk too much as it is. But um, you know, first first business we started, franchise business. Um, she'd been laid off coming out of the pharmaceutical industry. We just had our first kid, so she she dove all in, right? It was her full time focus. She was doing sales. 
she had her hands in everything in the business. You know, fast forward four years today, it's seven-figure business, pretty good team in place, and and she gets to you know kind of step back and manage the big picture. But there were definitely times where it was very difficult for her to give things up, right? It was very difficult for her to give you know sales opportunities to you know other people that she had brought onto the team because she knew good and well she could probably very likely go out and get better results than than the salespeople. Um, and, and I just, you know, I can remember many, many conversations around, you know, why it's important to give up some of that control, why it's important to, to be okay with the results not being as good, at least for a period of time as it would be with her, you know, going out and, and handling all the cells. And so, yeah, as a percentage, we, we make less of our total revenue now, but the business is also much larger than it would have ever been if it was just mm -hmm. her trying to do all the sales. So in terms of net dollars coming in, we're making more than, yeah. than we were a lot of when people, she was though, doing it all. As you know, a lot of people get wrapped up in the here and now though. So yeah. Yeah. making less today so you can make more in the future is definitely something people have to get over. Yeah. Well, look, I want to I want to get your thoughts on on something else that you reference in the book a few times. You mentioned earlier your first business, the landscaping business. You actually franchised it. And I think you said you got up to to seven franchises and mm -hmm. and and I think I I picked up in the book and and I may be wrong is is one of the restaurants you own a franchise or did you own a a franchise restaurant in the past? I, I've owned yes, I've owned two different franchise restaurants. Unfortunately, I went into two franchises that were very, very weak. Yeah. Uh, and then subsequently found out they couldn't provide the support that they were supposed to provide. They weren't doing the national advertising they were supposed to do. Um, and it turned into be a little bit of a mess. Yeah. So we, that, we got out, we got out of both of them. That's what I want to get your thoughts on, right? Because you know, obviously my specialty is franchising. We own franchise businesses, you know, I help people identify and investigate franchise businesses that could be a good fit for them. Um, but, you know, in the book, you, you make a couple of references, you know, where it, it comes through that you're not the biggest fan of franchising. And, and I think we think about it very similarly, even though I'm, I'm pretty entrenched in franchising, you know, like you said, the franchises you were in, the support was not there. I would venture to guess that, you know, what it was costing you to be a franchisee was not justified because the support was not was not there. So maybe maybe talk a little bit about that because I'm a very big proponent that franchises can be good if you get into the right franchise for you. Mm -hmm. But two caveats to that. There's thousands and thousands of franchise businesses out there. They're not all created equally. They're not all worth you know what it costs to get in as a franchisee, what it's going to cost you on an ongoing basis. And additionally, not every person should own a franchise. There are plenty of people out there that a franchise business model is not going to be the right fit for. But curious if if you would, you know, kind of expand on on your thoughts, uh, you know, based on on your experience. You know, I, and I say this in the book. So if you read the book, you're going to read it. So I'll just say it. You know, one of the comments I make is don't run off to the franchise show, smell the pretzels, drink the Frosties and think this is going to make me a millionaire. Right? Yeah, I there literally, of I chuckled as I was, I was listening to the book, but I was, and I was on my bike and I just kind of like <laughs> chuckled because I've been at those shows and you're a hundred percent right, but go ahead. Yeah. There are a lot of weak franchise companies out there that aren't going to help you get where you need to go. Their, their job is to sell you something and lock you down for 10 years. 
Yeah. You know, that, that, that's, it's not a good idea. You, you need to make sure that that company is solid. It's sound. It's got good people. It's got good backing. It's got money. It's got enough franchises to have critical mass. Mm-hmm. The franchise company that I started, we had seven franchises. We did not have critical mass. Yeah. Uh, and we ended up with a problem with two of our franchises and then they kind of scuttled the whole deal. It was, it was, it was rough. It was rough. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, so you got to make sure that it's a solid, solid company. And then you got to make sure that they're kind of, you know, looking out for your interests as well as their own, right? You take a big franchise like McDonald's and they're going to pick the real estate. They're going to decide where it's going to go. They're going to make the decisions on how it's going to get bowed down. That's because yep. they know what they're doing. Yeah. So you have a pretty good shot at that happening. If you get into one and they're just like, yeah, just do whatever you want. You know, that, 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 that you're as long as we get money. our 7% every month, yes. just do you're, what you want. You're in trouble. So yeah. finding somebody that could help you make those decisions. I think that's what you do West is help people yeah. make those decisions, find the right opportunity. Um, and then find something you think that is going to interest you and that you can, you know, you can be good at doing, um, yeah. uh, you know, I, 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 and I say that there's franchising is not bad if, if, unless you make the wrong decisions and then it can be. Yeah. Well, then it's bad, right? There can definitely be more worst case scenarios if you get into a franchise and it doesn't work out versus starting your own deal and it doesn't work out, right? If because you start you're in your a long-term commitment with yeah. that franchise. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Um, yeah. So I, I completely agree. I mean, to give you some perspective, I, you know, it, the number changes all the time, right? But usually there's somewhere between 3,000 and 4,000 active franchise opportunities across the U.S. at any given time, meaning there's anywhere between three to 4,000 companies that will sell you a franchise or will potentially sell you a franchise at any given time. And they right. come and they go, right? I have relationships with just under 200 brands. And that's, that's not to say that if it's not one of these 200 brands that I have relationships with, it's not a good franchise. But to your point, there is a lot of research that needs to go into evaluating a franchise opportunity. Um, I do that research before I develop a relationship with a brand, because if I have a relationship with them, that means I'm potentially recommending that brand to someone that I work with based on what I've learned about them and what they're looking to accomplish. And I definitely want to be able to sleep at night, right? I don't want to be yeah. in a position where I've introduced someone to a franchise and, you know, the franchisor is not well capitalized or they don't have some of this critical mass or at least a good blueprint to get there. Um, and, you know, and the biggest thing I look at is, well, not the biggest, but one of the big things I look at, and this is the advice I give to, to everyone I work with is, you know, you need to evaluate what's it going to cost me to become a franchisee up front and mm-hmm. what am I getting in exchange for that? And then you need to evaluate on a long-term basis, what's it going to cost me to, to be a franchisee and what am I getting in exchange for that? And if you can't see a clear exchange of value where you're getting more value because you're a franchisee and it, it cancels out the cost to be a franchisee, it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not a good investment. Um, and then, you know, there's so many other things that, that go into that, but um, I see it all the time. People get into a franchise that, you know, the model's just not right. The, the franchisor is not um, supporting franchisees the way they should. The other mistake I see all the time is people get into the wrong type of business for them because they don't spend enough time thinking about who they are and who they're not. And so they get into a business where their role as an owner, what they need to do to be successful is not a good fit for them. Listen, my, my, my number one rule for that is 
if it's too easy for you to join and give them a check, it's probably the wrong deal. Totally. Totally. Um, you know, the really good brands out there, and and this is this is true with the good ones, it may sound a little salesy almost, but the the really good brands, they don't sell franchises, they award them, right? So you're going right. through a mutual evaluation process. And at the end of that process, the leadership team comes back and says, either yes, we would approve you, we'd love to have you join you know, as, as a franchise owner, or no, we don't think it's the right fit. They're not going to sell a franchise to anyone that's willing to write them a check. And the reason for that is that the really good franchisors understand why the model works. They don't care about making money on the upfront franchise fees. That's not their business model. Right. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the franchisors that, that are, in my opinion, doing it right, they, they don't make anything on the franchise fees. Um, their business model is to have long-term successful franchisees that are continuing to grow their business over time. And their business model is the royalties, right? And, and that, so that's usually a percentage of a, a franchisee's gross revenue. And as I said earlier, you know, for the franchise to make sense for, for a franchisee, you need to be able to see clearly that even though you're paying a percentage of your gross revenue back to the franchisor, you're getting enough value in exchange to offset those fees. Um, and there's a lot of different ways that franchisors can do that. Depends on the type of, of industry that they're in, um, in some cases. But yeah, the, the good ones out there are not going to just sell to anyone because they want to make sure that you know they've got a good foundation and they're set up for long-term success. And that's where the, the business model for a franchisor really starts to make sense. But you have to get to some scale and, and you have to have franchisees that are successful over a long period of time. If you're just churning and burning franchisees, you know, looking at the the franchise fees that they're paying you up front, that's not a sustainable business model at all. Hundred percent, hundred percent agree with you. Well, look, uh, appreciate you sharing sharing your thoughts on that. Um, you know, before I let you go, you know, one of the things that that I I run into a lot is you know people that I'm working with, and we've already established that you know not everyone should go into business for themselves. You need to have a really clear why, why do you want to put yourself through this? Right. Cause it is a roller coaster and not every day is, is a walk in the park. Yeah. Um, you know, being a business owner or even being self-employed, but, but let's say that you've got someone, they've got a really clear why, you know, they, they know they want to be in the business for themselves, but they're getting a little bit hung up. Right. And they're getting hung up from what I call FUD fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Right. You know, we've talked a lot today about the risk associated with going into business for themselves. I see a lot of people, you know, get to that point and they just can't quite take the leap. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Is that an indication that they, they are making the right decision by not taking the leap? Or is that an indication that they're just so close to stepping out of their comfort zone and they can't quite do it? And maybe they're missing an opportunity by, by not stepping out of their comfort zone well i i don't i don't i'm not sure what your thoughts but i'll give you mine on this and i, I talk about this in the book and we talked about it a little bit before we got on here today but if and i and i tell you in the book all the reasons why you shouldn't go into business and there are a lot of them mm -hmm. and all the reasons why you should keep your job because there are a lot of them and if you're going to succeed in business there's going to be issues you're going to have problems there's going to be crap thrown at you that's just the way the, the world works. 
Yeah. If that scares you to the point that, that you're thinking you should keep your job, then you should keep your job. You need to be so committed to this thing when you walk in the door that you're ready for the world to come crumbling down around you and you're not going to give up. Yeah. Because if you don't have that level of commitment, you're not going to make it through the tough times. Right. Yeah. So I, I tell people all the time, why would you do this? Don't do it. Just don't, don't go into business for yourself. And what I want is I want somebody to come back to me and say, what are you talking about? This is what I want to do. Yeah. You, why would you try to talk me out of it? That's yeah. the person that I know has a shot. Yeah. If that person comes back and says, well, you might be right. They've got enough internal doubt that once the, once that first problem hits, they're going to bail. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think about it the same way, right? Because if you don't have that, why, if you don't have that burning desire to, to do it, even when someone is trying to talk you out of it, if you're not, you know, confident enough to come back and say, screw you, I'm going to do it. And, and I'm going to show right. you. Um, yeah, you are. I mean, the first time you get hit in the face, you're going to, you're going to give in and say, you know what, this is too hard. It's not worth it. Now, I, I think, I mean, I've learned through my own experience and, and, you know, through a lot of people, you know, that I've talked to and, and gotten to know, you know, it doesn't mean you're not going to have any fear, right. In in getting to that point, it just means that you recognize the fear, you acknowledge it, you kind of assess things and you say, all right, this is scary. This is going to take me way out of my comfort zone. And I still want to do it. Courage you know, is not lack of fear. Yes. Courage exactly. is the ability to move through fear. That's yeah. the difference. Yeah. Spot on. I love that. Um, well, man, this, this has been awesome. I could, I could pick your brain for hours and hours, but I know you're, you're busy. Sounds like you've got an awesome trip coming up, uh, going to Antarctica. So anything else you want to share with the audience before we, we wrap this one up, anything else that you want to make sure that, that you have a chance to, to speak to? Yes. This is, this is an overriding issue. It's in the book. I tell everybody I do these podcasts with, here's the thing I want all of the people out there to think about whether you're in business or whether you're going into business. And this is critical. Okay. And, and I use this example of Apple. You're familiar with Apple, right? Sure. You have an iPhone by any chance? I do. I do too, right? So who runs Apple? Tim uh, Cook. Tim Cook, yeah. Tim Cook, CEO of Apple, biggest company on the planet, $3 trillion in value, most profitable company out there. Tim Cook has got to be a pretty smart guy, right? Sure. Probably one of the smartest out there. Tim Cook at Apple has a board of directors. Yeah. You know what a board of directors do? They come in every month or every quarter and they all sit down with Tim and they say, hey, Tim, you know, based on our experience and based on what we've had done in the past, these are the ways we think that you should maybe make decisions and we're going to try to guide you in the way you need to go. And we're going to help you be a CEO of the largest company in the world. So Tim Cook, you got 12 people here. They're going to help you. So if Tim Cook needs a board of directors, what makes you think you can do it without even a single mentor? Yeah. 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 My advice to you is find somebody who can help you check your ego, let them give you advice, take it and be successful. Couldn't agree more. I think that is probably one of the most valuable pieces of advice. And, and I think that applies to all aspects of life, right? Certainly if you're going into business for yourself or if you're already in business for yourself, but I mean, look at, look at athletes, right? Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, some of the best athletes in the world, they all had coaches right? Or have coaches. Tiger Woods has a swing coach. Michael Jordan has a shooting coach. All of them do. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, spot on. I think that's that's amazing advice. I know I've been been fortunate to have some amazing mentors, you know, throughout my life and and you know, continue to learn from them and and continue to seek out new mentors, right? And selfishly, it's one of the reasons I love doing the podcast so much because I get to connect <laughs> with with guys like you and and learn from it, right? I mean, if I'd have just reached out and said, "Hey Brian, I know we've never met, but will you get on a Zoom call with me and just talk to me for for like an hour?" you'd have probably been like, "No, man, that's weird." But I'm like, but I have a podcast, <laughs> so let's get on a Zoom call and talk for an hour. You're like, sure, let's do it. Sure, let's do it. <laughs> right? It's, I love it. Um, well, look, again, really appreciate it. Before I let you go, I do what I call a quick lightning round at the end of every episode. So this is the same four questions that I ask every guest that comes on. So if you've got another minute, I'd love to run through those quickly, and then we'll put a bow on this one. Here we go. All right. First question of the lightning round. And actually, I think you just you gave us this one already, but it's just what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, is that is that what you just gave us? Get a mentor. All Get right. A mentor. hundred percent. Beautiful. Um, next question. Curious. Do you have any sort of a, a morning routine? Anything you try to do every morning to prime yourself for a successful day? Every single morning of every single day. I tend to wake up at 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the morning. The first thing I do is roll over, pick up my phone, check my bank accounts to make sure nothing weird happened, check my P&Ls, check my sales at every location. I go through a whole routine of my finances on every company. I go look at the closing emails from every location we've got just to make sure nothing weird's going on. And then I send out uh, any emails that need to go out based on that. I go through the emails that came out overnight. This generally takes me an hour and a half, and then I go back to sleep. I love it. I can run my business from a phone in bed. That's my joke. Well, yeah. And you talk about that in the book. And and one thing I'd planned to ask you about it in this conversation and, and just didn't get to it, but you talk a lot in the book about the importance of knowing your numbers as a business uh, owner. Oh, and yes. how, you know, if you have the business set up right, you you should really be able to run the business from a PL, right? If, if PL is a magic crystal ball, and if you know how to run it and work it and read it, that's all you need and you can be successful or you will fail if you don't. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's a testament to you, right? That you can wake up and spend an hour and a half on all of your businesses, know where they're at, what needs attention, and then kind of, you know, unplug from there. So, um, yeah, we'll have to get you back on, on the show in the future and we can dig more into to knowing the numbers. But um, no, I, I love that. Um, we've talked about your book, curious what book you're reading right now. Weirdly enough, the book on my nightstand is a book about relationships. Okay. And relationships can be personal or they can be business, but relationships are what everything is about. I teach my children this all the time. Your future, future you, what's the difference between you today and you five years from now? It's the people you associate with and the books you read. And we'll throw in the podcast you listen to. Sure. But the books you read. And so I'm, I'm reading a book on relationships at the moment. Very cool. Um, yeah, I agree with that that statement. Um, I haven't quite thought about it in those terms, but your future you is going to be a result of the relationships you you have today and and you build. Um, final question, uh, simply, what is your definition of freedom and are you living it? Freedom to me is the fact that I can go out skiing in Park City come down the run, get in line, pick up my phone, answer an email, put it back in my pocket and go make another run. Yeah. I can go to Antarctica, sit on a boat, pick up my phone, answer an email, look at a PL, put it back in my pocket and go back to having fun. Freedom yeah. is the ability to keep your mind engaged and keep yourself doing things, but still have the ability to have a lifestyle. 
And yes, I am living that right now. Yeah, I can tell. That's amazing. Well, look, thank you again for spending some time with us, sharing all of this valuable information and knowledge with me and with the audience. And, you know, quickly just want to acknowledge you and, and thank you for um, everything you've done. You know, the books that you've written, I know are helping so many people. And, and even the fact that you're willing to, you know, have a couple of conversations with me and, and share all of this with the audience. Uh, you know, it's, it's very much appreciated. So keep doing what you're doing and, uh, you know, best, best of luck with everything and hope you have a good time in Antarctica. That sounds like a lot of fun. Thanks, man. Wes, I appreciate what you're doing too, man. Thanks. Where can people find the book quickly? Give us the name of the book and where people can find it real quick. Amazon, Amazon, the dropout multimillionaire. Yeah. First book is how I, first book I wrote was I give the dumb kids hope. Second one, the dropout multimillionaire. I love it. It's on Audible too. I listened to it on Audible. Yep. Really good. So Brian, thanks so much. Really appreciate you dropping in here on the Path to Freedom podcast. Thanks, Wes. Appreciate it. Got it. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.